0: Hello and welcome to episode 107 of shoulder to shoulder podcast telling stories from the LAFC community match by match fan by fan story by story this week Chris Christian and I are going to kick around a couple new faces here at LAFC we got a couple signings out there folks. got some rumors on the horizon and some thoughts about the team going into some preseason matches that have been announced as well as always folks i am jonathan reimer joining me christopher signs and christian aparicio gentlemen good evening and welcome what's
1: up what's up glad to be back with everybody We got, you know, some good information to talk about today. I think that this team is coming together. So uh, we're looking forward to talking to you guys about the new signings and uh, getting excited to see what you guys have to think about the upcoming season. Hello, everyone. Also excited to talk about how the tables have turned. There's been
2: announcements in the last few weeks, right before Christmas to now. I feel like Christmas just got extended. I'm looking forward to this season. Playoff hopes are high and a deep run is in our midst is what I feel.
0: Agreed. And if you ever want to come and tell us exactly how you feel about it yourself, you can always reach out to us at LAFC S2S on all your social media platforms. Please give us a follow and go ahead, shoot us a message there. We'd love to have you as a guest on the show. Well, guys, let's go ahead and dive right into it. We'll go ahead and start with the first signing that cracked just after our last episode came out. And that is LAFC Signs free agent midfielder, Illy Sanchez. Midfielder born in 1990 from Barcelona, Spain. Weighs in at 174 pounds and six feet tall. His last club was with SKC, where he certainly had a storied career. He's an MLS All-Star, former Barcelona Youth Academy player. Talk about name drops there. And we signed him for a grip of money, boys. So I'm curious what you guys think about the acquisition of none other than Ile Sanchez.
2: I think Mr. Ile Gili- Sanchez is a great pickup I do think he's maybe a little expensive but it's something that we need especially with Atuesta leaving destabilizing our midfield I think he is definitely kind of a metronome type of player where he can connect the back line with the attack but also step in and make sure that protects that back line and you know last year with all the SKC injuries he even played center back so got a little bit of a depth piece Uh, A metronome, someone that keeps pace, keeps momentum, going in the right direction defensively and offensively. So I'm really, really happy about the signing. Very prudent, although maybe slightly expensive, but tried and true player that's been in the league for some time that's also won a cup, an open cup with SKC. So that's important to have that kind of tournament experience.
1: I think that having Ilya Sanchez was definitely a step in the right direction. It was a huge gap and a huge hole that we had to fill with uh, the transfer of Edward. And I think that now also seeing in hindsight the next transfer that was announced a few days later, I think that depending on how this new roster is going to be playing, whether we have two defensive midfielders or just one defensive midfielder, it'll give us an opportunity to not have a huge drop-off in talent if we were to have Kellen Acosta as our number six. And then if and when Kellen Acosta gets called up with the U.S. Men's National Team because of the World Cup this year, we would have Elie as a solid alternate to uh, fill in.
0: One thing we talked about on this very show was the need for MLS experienced veteran midfielder to help back up our midfield. That is exactly what we asked for. And frankly, exactly what we got in the Sanchez signing. This is someone who came from, unquestionably, the most prestigious academy in the world, certainly up there when we're talking about Barcelona. Got promoted to Barcelona B from that academy, so it was good enough to graduate the academy and make their second squad. For monetary reasons, he was then shipped out. He played for everyone's favorite Munich team, which is, of course, Tornen Sportverein München Axe St. I know you guys were all thinking about Bayern Munich, but but no, he did play in, in Munich for a different team over there in Bundesby before finding his way over to Sporting Kansas City where he was an absolute rock star in their midfield. Someone who I know was up there in age and that has been something that a lot of fans have questioned about this signing, but I challenge you, go back and watch the last three years of his highlight reel and tell me that he's lost a step. Tell me that he's out of shape because I don't see it. It does not fit the eye test for me, That he is a significant step slower than he was a few years ago. Add that to the maturity, the experience, the wisdom that he's gained in that time. And I think we have a fantastic player. There have been rumors out there, nothing confirmed that he's going to make somewhere north of a million dollars a season. That means he's going to be over that 560, 570,000 salary cap number. So we're going to have to buy his contract down a little bit with some allocation money, but that still should leave plenty of allocation money on the table to go out and acquire new signings. So I'm really excited about this. I don't know if this is going to be an every game, all out starter for us, but at that price point in wages, you would have to imagine that this person is in the starting 11 now. So I'm excited to see what Sanchez brings. He's got a, Big hole to fill if he's going to be taking a Twista's shoes, but either way, I think our midfield was a big question mark. We couple this signing with our next signing, and I think those questions have been answered. We now have the most expensive midfield in the history of LAFC when you partner in our other new signing. But before we jump into that, gentlemen, do you have any last thoughts on Elias Sanchez?
2: I do think that he is going to be a starter. I think that he and the next signing we'll talk about can play the six or the eight, which is, I think it's going to be really good in terms of transition and, and being able to have a solid transitional defense. But I think what's important to the experience that you mentioned that he brings playing in sporting Kansas city, that stadium rocks uh, from those that I know that have gone and what I see on TV. So the, the same kind of pressure, I think that that kind of organization can bring, I think it's only expounded. and I think, you know, he wants to win a championship. He's going to get paid well. The other thing I know that I heard uh Max on their podcast on the MVP podcast that he was asked what position he wanted to play. And he came with an open mind and, you know, willing to work for his spot and said whatever the coach puts me in. So I think that that kind of attitude, despite having that kind of salary, is really important in terms of culture, being being open and being being willing to work. And it sounds like he's going to also mentor some of the younger players. So I'm happy about the signing because it checks all those other boxes that are intangibles, I think.
0: He's got MLS Cup experience. He's got Conca champions experience. He's already gone over to Europe and, and tried it over there and made his way over to MLS. He's got nothing left to prove, but that he can still do it. And I think that's a really solid addition to the midfield. But we'll go ahead and couple that with LAFC's second announced signing since our last episode, which I think really was received incredibly positively by the entire fan base. And that's, of course, the acquisition of Kellen Acosta from the Colorado Rapids, midfielder born in 95 from Plano, Texas, weighing in at 150 pounds, five foot ten. most notably a U.S. national team midfielder. We got him for $550,000 worth of allocation money this year, $550,000 worth of allocation money next year, and Colorado could receive up to an additional 400,000 if certain performance metrics are met. There was a little bit of a rumor around that that 100,000 of that is an MLS Cup. Should we win it, we would have to pay an extra 100 grand. About 200 of the other 400k are normal incentives they expect the player to meet and that leaves about 100k worth of advanced performance expectatives if he were to excel in his time with us. He's only 26 years old. He's a USA national, doesn't take an international roster spot. There was a lot of talk about him potentially going to Europe, and apparently there were even offers on the table to send him to Europe. But looking at north of a million, close to a million five, depending on incentives worth of allocation money, a record signing, certainly something that swayed Colorado's opinion. And boom, we got ourselves U.S. men's national team midfielder, Kellen Acosta. So guys, This has got to be something you're happy about. I'm curious to hear what you think about it.
1: Absolutely. First of all, I'm really happy to have a U.S. men's national team
0: player back in the black and gold. Shouts to Barra 76. I know y'all are listening.
1: (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. When we had gotten rid of Walker Zimmerman, you know, it was one of those things I like I enjoy watching players that represent the United States and go on. And so to have a player like that, it's definitely exciting. And then when you also look at him and his personality and how he performs on the pitch, I like when Kellen Acosta is on the pitch, especially when he plays for the United States because he's kind of like that uh, nuisance player that gets in players' heads. And I remember this past year in 2021, with the Nations League and the Gold Cup and then the World Cup qualifiers, all three games against Mexico, the, the broadcasters kept talking about how Kellen Acosta was all over the pitch and he was constantly in, involved in the play. And I'm looking forward to seeing what that was like when he suits up for the black and gold. On top of all of that, I feel like he has something to prove. You know, he had made some Twitter comments uh, about the the transfer That where he aired out that the narrative that was coming out of Colorado was not necessarily correct and that he thinks that uh, that Colorado kind of did him dirty. And but he's coming here to Los Angeles with a positive outlook. And he said that he was going to give it all for the shirt and he didn't want to give any kind of misleading information that he's looking for greener pasture somewhere else. He's here in L.A. He wants to play in L.A. And I think that the club has an opportunity to do him a solid by highlighting his abilities and giving him an opportunity to go and be transferred on at some point and play in Europe and follow through with that dream that he's probably had as a little kid. And that's just going to continue to help the club in getting recognition as being a club that develops players, takes care of their players, and helps them get to ultimately where it is that they want to be in their career. I'm excited
2: for Karen joining
1: the LAFC. He is a gritty irritant. He had one of the
2: best years from a national team perspective and you know, they also had the number 1 seed in the west uh, with him in the midfield. So it's it's very important kind of experience that he brings internationally and within the league. He kind of fell out of favor at Dallas and refound his form in Colorado and I think he was kind of making that push to go abroad and I can understand Colorado even though maybe they're trying to spin the story that they didn't receive that deal before LAFC's but I think Dallas still had to sell on percentage. So it wouldn't have made sense even if Colorado got a comparable deal as LAFC. It had to be like three or four times for it to make sense for them. So I feel for him, but I also think there's motivation. I think LAFC probably has more notoriety around the world. And I think he's going to have a new spotlight and it's a bigger market, a better stadium, better atmosphere, new uh, place for him to prove himself and build off what he did last year. So also leading into a World Cup qualifying year, I think he's going to have to put out some good performances for, for Greg Burhalter to kind of stamp him and pencil him into each one of the lineups. So a lot of motivation for him to move on and perform this year. So I'm, I'm really excited for him to be able to join the club, join what I think is going to be Ilya, him, and Fuentes, two hybrids and one attack-minded midfielder, complementing our attack, but also protecting our back line. I'm, I'm really excited about that. And having blessing come off the bench to be a spark clock in the last 30 minutes, it's it's something that makes me feel like it is 2019 again, where we have some stability and some firepower going into the matches.
0: I'm gonna go ahead and make a bold prediction. Kellan Acosta is top three in assists for LAFC this season. And and here's why. And something that has been incredibly frustrating about this LAFC team is our inability to convert on corners and set pieces. We've already seen it. In the Gold Cup, I mean, the service from Acosta basically won the United States that Gold Cup with that amazing set piece dime that he had. And I just have been so infuriated by anyone other than Vela taking our corners. And of course, when Vela takes your corners, that that means Vela can't be on the other end of whatever happens. And that takes out arguably your best goal scorer after Chicho from not being able to be on the other end of service. And so to finally have someone who I can trust to take corners who I can trust to take set pieces and not have to worry about there being some kind of terrible service to wherever the ball needs to go. I think it's going to be a huge, huge, huge offensive weapon for LAFC this year. And I anticipate us having a much more threatening aerial attack as a result. We've already seen what Mama Falk can do when you put the ball on a dime. And now we have someone who can drop those dimes left and right, Mikel and Acosta. And I'm very, very excited about that. What does this mean for Pancho Ginella? You know, that I think sort of spells his relegation uh, from the senior squad, certainly. He'll get his minutes, but I don't think it's necessarily in line with his contract or our expectations of him. So I think this sort of spells the beginning of the end for Poncho Ginella. And I would not be surprised if he moves on in his career sooner rather than later. I think this might be his last season with us. I'm not entirely sure where his contract is at, but uh, I wouldn't be surprised if he got moved, you know, sometimes towards the summer when we can find a serviceable replacement. and Some of these other guys have established themselves in that midfield. So I do kind of feel for Poncho because the writing's kind of on the wall at this point with these two major acquisitions, but Someone in Ile Sanchez who can show that, you know, he can take penalties with the best of them. Not that that might be his responsibility with Chicho and Vela out there, but to know that we at least have someone with that ability, especially if we get into one of these tournaments where it goes down to PKs in the end, knowing you have someone who's lethal on their PKs and in, in the addition of Sanchez and then. Really, really excited about us finally having a decent person to service in corners because we have had zero offensive threat from corners until the emergence of Mamadou Fall, and it just wasn't enough because he wasn't getting the service. So very, very excited about both of those things.
2: The last thing I'll mention on Kalen is he, he is a master of the dark arts. I feel like he knows how to delay, how to irritate, how to work the referee, how to instigate it's very impressive there i've seen some youtube clips and i'm like wow and the analysis that goes into these youtube clips of what he's doing is 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 really good like you you kind of overlook it when you're watching a live game but he's doing a lot of little things off camera so i think that stuff is really important the other thing i'll mention is this is a almost like an eight month delayed trade with k for Kalen, and and i'll take that straight up and basically it kind of it is what it is with this with the incentives on on the deal so I'll give kudos to to this on uh, JT and he, he hasn't gotten everything right, but I think he's above average in terms of a, a GM thus far over the last four or five seasons is that the gam and Tam and all of that funny money, I think he's getting it right and bring the kind of right pieces to have this LAFC 2.0 so-called out there.
1: Yeah. I think that also the way that the contract was structured in putting 500, a little over $500,000 this year, $500,000 next year, like that's, It was a creative way to acquire the player at the right time.
0: Yeah. He is signed through this season with a club option for next season. You would imagine there's no scenario in which they wouldn't pick that up barring some kind of crazy injury. And we certainly wouldn't wish that or, or or something worse, but assuming he performs reasonably well, you pick up the club option and then have the chance to sell him to Europe. And hopefully he moves on to bigger and better things. And hopefully he earns that throughout the course of this year, but I'm very excited to see what we get from him for the next one to two potential seasons of Kellen Acosta. So you touched on it, Christian, and I sort of want to shift the conversation to JT. This has been unquestionably his most important off season. He's coming off a year in which the club was poor, and a lot of people had questions about our roster construction. There were some big, big question marks about this team going into the offseason. He's addressed most of those uh, and potentially soon to be all of those big question marks, as we'll get into rumors a little bit later. But first and foremost, guys, I'm really curious. What do you think of JT's biggest offseason so far? In your mind, what does he have left to accomplish? And then if you could just go ahead and throw a letter grade for me on what you think he's compiled as far as the roster for this LAFC 2.0 squad.
1: So far this offseason, I think that there's been a lot of changes. And I think that when you start at the top and you look at the head coach signing, I think that there's a lot of mixed emotions with that. And that I think is going to get to be determined on how that great is you know on paper Steve is not as proven as a different coach might be someone who's got more seasons and more league but I think that Steve brings a lot of things that other outside coaches may not have had, you know, Steve's got the international experience. He's got the years and years in Germany and his coaching tree is, is based out of UEFA, which is different than coaches that might get their coaching license here in the United States. So with that, I think that it's yet to be determined. And, you know, because that was kind of like an underwhelming signing, I think that people are going to judge JT off on a bad foot, even though that signing was a little bit, you know, Steve was definitely in the running because he was in the house and he was part of the facility and part of the team. You know, I think that it, I am, like I said before, more optimistic than pessimistic that Steve is going to do well. I think that the, during the draft, I think that how the uh, player acquisitions, Ishmael chajuri Shardy that we had gotten from NYCFC and Franco Escobar, I think that those were two, good signings for uh, roles that we needed in the off season adds depth in certain areas that we might've been lacking. And of course, adding uh, Ilya Sanchez and Kellen Acosta. I think that those were huge signings for us. Like you said, the Kellen Acosta one was well-received and then we still need, we still need a goalkeeper. Um, I think, I mean, I think that that is still, and we're still looking to fill a DP spot because we have one DP spot left uh, with uh, Diego Rossi's spot now b- being available. So I think that there's still going to be big things to come within the next six months. I guess, you know, allowing my my grading to be influenced by what is still to come. I would say that this new LAFC 2.0 is, it's a higher grade. It's a, it's a high B plus, A minus, you know, Cusper right there for me, because I think that, we had to do a rebuild and we had to make significant changes in many places. And I think that given the fact that you transferred out a player like Autuesta, you let go of certain key, certain players that had been players that had played for us for a, a significant amount of time. Uh, You transferred out Rossi. Like these were, there were holes that had to be filled. And and I think that he is, he's doing a good job overall. Yeah, I'd, I'd give him a B. I think the
2: players brought in, fill in the void and you know as of this recording tom Bogert's reporting that we're finalizing a deal with canadian international max grapo as our goalkeeper and if that's the case he's top five top three depending on who you talk to and then we're kind of set um, romero's a backup there to jury shroudy and um our new right back Kylan Acosta. nearly i think we fill a lot of the holes that we needed to the next thing is shirundalo and if he can get us into the playoffs, I think like my A, excuse me, my B, could convert into an A, where we get a chance to have a run in uh, into the cup. So for now, it's a B. I think if he was f- able to figure out a master stroke of getting rid of Janela's contract, uh, even if it's for nothing, I think it's it'd be great. Um, if you think about what he's what he's done with having Rossi and Atuesta Lee, which are kind of cornerstones to our midfield and, and offense. And being able to convert that into Acosta, Ilié, and to Shroudy to fill some of those holes, that's that's amazing. And then we have competition for Moon on the right back, and he might not be the starter next year. There's just competition across the board as well. So I'm looking forward to what this season brings. So giving him a B, TBD, it's an incomplete right now. But I'm very, very optimistic going into the season that we should definitely be able to outperform. And then that expected goals should be goals with Chicho having a full preseason, having a healthy Vela and Raito motivated hopefully so that he could be sold in the summer or next winter.
0: I have some thoughts about this current roster construction. As far as this offseason and JT is confirmed, obviously the keeper situation appears to be nearing an end. And if it turns out it is Cripo, my goodness, what a phenomenal keeper we'll have and, and someone that I finally don't have to worry about who's between the pipes for LAFC. That's going to be a big piece to this. And once that deal gets across the line, I'll give him credit for it. But, you know, when people like Tom Bogart are saying it's a done deal, you you have to be optimistic at this point. It's going to cross the line to the point where, you know, we feel confident talking about it on the show as, as a thing. And if you look at Escobar at right back, Kellen Acosta, Ile Sanchez to fortify the midfield, Corpo, he, he's done everything we could ask him to do defensively. He kept on to our trio of center backs that have performed well for us. I suppose you could throw Ibiaga in there as well too. So we have four serviceable center backs at the moment. But I, I am still disappointed in our DP situation. We have an open DP slot that is unused. We have Raito, who's got a foot and maybe more out the door. Uh, he's clearly Been trying to find his way back to South America, trying to find his way to other clubs to the point where we loaned him out. That loan spell didn't work out. His performance for LAFC has been less than what we expected of him for his expectations for his career to move in such a positive direction. So I don't think the Raito signing has worked out so far. Obviously, he's got a lot to prove this season, and hopefully a club comes in for him this summer or later on down the road with an offer that that makes this whole trial and tribulation of Raito worth it. But in the meantime, you would have to say that that really hasn't worked out. Vela, we've got six months of him left. He gave us a couple fantastic years and then a couple injury-plagued years. What are we going to see from him going forward? How does he handle that situation? You have to say the Vela signing was certainly a success for JT, but will the latter stages of his contract and what happens next in his career change our opinion of the Vela signing altogether? DPs being such a vital and important part of any squad building, to say that we have an open DP slot and two question marks around our other two DPs, there's not really a solid lock player in there, makes it hard for me to give him particularly high marks. But on the offseason as a whole, taking the Cropot signing into account, I would have to give him a B for the off season as a whole, but the team as a whole to me is still in C plus B minus area until we get our DP situation figured out. And frankly, until that keeper signing is across the line and and I see how this team performs together. The pieces individually certainly look good, but it's been at the expense of Janela. It's been at the expense of moon players that, You know, last season and the season before, we certainly thought we're going to play much bigger roles for this club. So, you know, these additions might be great on paper, but let's see how well they perform together on the pitch. And whether or not that creates some issues with the player who are now relegated to reserve roles that might have expected more when they came to this club. So I'm not so convinced that everything is as glorious as as the two of you might feel it is. But I'm definitely happy with what we have so far. Another DP and a rock star DP, someone that we could count on week in and week out to go out there and perform. I'm not asking for a $6 million plus signing along the lines of velo or a Chicharito or something like that but a solid $2 million DP that's going to go out there and perform for us would mean a lot to me at this point. If I was to give this club really higher marks, but speaking of somebody who has given the offseason some really high marks, I was chatting with Eddie Segura the other day, name drop. He is an Ontario fury fan and he came out to one of our games. And after I finished the broadcast with Philly, I got a chance to, to chat with him briefly. His English is getting remarkably better. And I just sort of asked him what he thought about the signings and Chirondolo and, He had nothing but wonderful things to say about his conversations and experiences with Turandolo, Thought he was a really great guy, really easy guy to get along with. A person who is very big on sharing his tactical ideas and information, something that he wasn't really exposed to a lot of the big picture ideologically beforehand. He spoke to people being told what their assignments were and how they were to respond, but that they didn't really know the bigger picture outside of that and how Turandolo has been very open with his ideas about tactics And Eddie was particularly blown away with his knowledge and understanding of how each individual piece of a team moves and how he wants to put it together. So some really positive stuff from Eddie on the Chirundolo edition. And then as far as the other players, you know, these are people that he's suited up against and has a lot of admiration for. You know, he mentioned that Kellen was certainly one of those gritty players that uh, he had ways of influencing the game beyond his ability, which is already formidable. And he was certainly excited about his services into the box as well, too. And with Ile Sanchez, someone that he has a lot of respect for what he's accomplished and how he's been able to maintain his physical form throughout his career. So high marks from Eddie Segura on all three of those additions. So uh, that was good stuff to hear. That was refreshing to, to hear, Eddie. So why don't we go ahead and dive into on, no No, the... no, I
2: want to pause before we move on. I think you you have some interesting tidbits there, especially the ones about Chirundalo. I think that speaks highly, right? a very established story manager or coach of Bob Bradley. And it seemed like he had more of a stranglehold in control and almost micromanage and that give you the broader picture. I think it, it, it'll be refreshing for the carryover players that are still in the, the club with a kind of a fresh approach with a similar attack minded philosophy. But I think if, if it's more dynamic, more fluid and more in terms of bringing them in to see what he's thinking on, on a, at a bigger picture, I think that's important. I think it, it just lays the groundwork for more immediate buy-in versus kind of this um, intermediate getting to know each other. And I, and I do think, although we feel like it, it wasn't a, a signing or an announcement of Chirundalo that um, we expected of a, a big club in the MLS, if he was here for a year and it had the runway to kind of put this together and think about the way he... Was going to introduce this kind of playbook if he were the manager and now that he is here he's doing it and I don't think Segura takes his career lightly and I know that he's working hard to get back as soon as possible and I'm excited for him to have that kind of opinion to kind of plug himself back in and be part of the starting squad sooner than later.
0: Absolutely refreshing to hear someone speak positively about all the things that are happening around the club you could have very easily just you know said hey it's you know I don't know I'm excited about it and give me a lot of well-rehearsed media lines that you would expect when you run into a player or someone like that publicly but for him to be so energetic and positive about it and very candid with me I thought was refreshing and, and certainly agreed to me it paints all of these things in a very positive light to hear someone think about it that way. Well, we, we've kind of already let the cat out of the bag, but uh, Tom Bogart has reported today, and we've heard some some rumors about this previously out there. Uh, the Maxim Corpo is set to join LAFC on some kind of a general allocation money deal from the Vancouver Whitecaps. This is, once again, exactly what we have asked for as a fan base a top-tier reliable mls experienced goalkeeper go out there and snag it from one of these teams that has an up-and-comer that's looking to shed some salary and make some allocation money free up a spot on their roster for someone that's going to be less expensive for them and fleece their pockets with a little bit of that allocation money to go out and respend where they felt it was needed and if we do end up getting Kripo we're talking about Canada's number two keeper We're talking about a top five, top three goalkeeper in MLS. And he was also voted as the player of the year for the Vancouver Whitecaps last year. So that is a big, big piece if we are able to get that signature across the line. And I will be ecstatic if that happens personally. But gentlemen, I'm curious, what are your thoughts on Max Carpeau coming to LAFC? I'm
2: excited. He kept us out of the playoffs single-handedly in that match towards the end in the run-in against Vancouver at the bank. So... And he had a lot of performances like that where Vancouver, as an outsider, kind of crept in into that seventh spot, into that last match day. So I'm excited that we're able to spend this gam-tam stuff that we've acquired from other trades and and transfers. So I'm all for it.
1: It's definitely a good signing. Like uh, some some of the things that you had said, Jonathan, too, about just... His accolades over the last year or two. Um, I know that he had had an injury in the MLS's back cup, a freak accident where I think he broke his thumb or something like that. And so he's not he's not injury prone. He's not somebody that's not that's uh, you know not able to play for a full season. And um, he had some pretty pretty exciting performances. So I, I hope it pans out, and I hope that we do end up signing this player. Uh, you know, to, again, just to continue to have players that represent their country at the international level you know he's i think he i think i was reading that he had played for canada 16 matches and i mean it just shows that we are bringing in some some world-class talent and uh and canada as a national team is continuing to progress and do well i think that i saw a graphic a couple of months ago that in 2021 canada had the biggest increase in fifa rankings of any country in the world you know they, they jumped up like 25 spots or something like that so the current Canadian team is is a strong team and you know I think they're they're leading in points right now in the CONCACAF World Cup qualifying brackets right that so it's you know to get a player of that caliber I think is exciting and I think that it'll do us a lot of good and, and who knows you know the uh, there's there's I don't know if it's confirmed about Mark Dos Santos coming back as a assistant coach for the staff for uh, Steve Trandolo. But if that ends up being true too, that's just going to continue to have players and coaches who have a relationship and a rapport with one another. That's again, going to be an opportunity for us to capitalize on.
0: Yeah, The only member of staff I care about coming back is team security, Paul. As long as Paul's there on the sideline, I'm, I'm fine with whoever else is an assistant coach. Yeah. These are all, these are all positives as regards to all of the signings that we've brought in so far. And if Kripo ends up being the guy, Killer! Another person that's probably heading to Qatar in a year. Right alongside Kellen Acosta, they'll be facing off against each other. So curious to see how that dynamic works out. These two have certainly gone head-to-head a few times. Now we're putting them on the same team, but Kripo's a fantastic keeper. The Whitecaps, a lot of their success over the course of the past few seasons has been in part to his amazing keeping. And if we can get that for LAFC... (sighs) fantastic. Sky's the limit for this team as soon as as soon as we land that DP, but how it all comes together is something we're going to get an opportunity to see coming up pretty quickly. So, LFC's announced their preseason matches. Uh so coming up on January 29th, it's going to be open to fans. We're going to get a chance to see it at Bank of California Stadium at noon. LAFC are going to be taken on supporters shield champion, new England revolution. So, you know, no pressure. You just get Bruce arena and the Supporters shield champs for your first uh, match there to So uh, a lot of eyes are going to be on that match. Although I think with us having a completely new roster, new coaching staff, new ideas going up against a team that has all of those things locked away in a formidable stance, are you guys optimistic about this game or, or do you have some tempered optimism based on those challenges?
1: You know, I think that the preseason match is going to be an opportunity, especially being our very, very first one. I don't think that if we were to win or lose, I don't think that any of it is really going to be something that you can give a a whole body of work to. It's going to be an opportunity for some of our trial players and some of the fringe players to show what they have. It's going to be an opportunity um for some of the players that might have been injured i know that when lafc posted photos of uh, the training over the last two days mahala opoku was back out on the pitch and so it's going to be our first chance of seeing him back out there seeing some of these new signings coming in so i I think it's going to be a a, you know just like a preseason should be you're going to get some minutes from some of your marquee starters you're going to get some minutes from uh, some of your second tier bench players and you're also going to get some minutes in from your youngsters you know um Christian Torres, Eric Duenas, uh, Tony Leone. I mean, the, that's and and we're probably going to end up seeing. I, I saw that Danny Trejo was also in uh, at LASC training from the Las Vegas Lights and uh, Bruce L Elmes Murray. Um, so I, I think that we're going to see some players who we may not have ever seen before in black and gold, and it'll just be an opportunity for everybody to get minutes.
0: Yeah, and, and players with experience working under Torundolo as well, too. So I think that's important to have a few of those players around as this transition fortifies itself. And, uh, yeah, I, you know, Cal Jennings as well, too, another player we saw some bright spots from last year. I'm excited to see if he ends up making some reserve appearances for us or, or shows up in some cup games for us. He, he he looked pretty good last year as well, too. But, yeah, I mean, obviously Torres, Duane, you know, Elmas Mari, all those guys. Fingers crossed that one or two of that lot pans out and we get something positive out of this. But I really would not take the results of this game as seriously as the eye test of how these players look and work together.
2: Yeah, I'm I'm more interested to see what flavor in the new Chirundulo ball era is going to be. of. If it's a 4-3-3, if it's even going to be something that he's just tinkering with and, and trying to figure out depending on the strengths and weaknesses of the players. So I'm just more interested to see that, how the they start and where the movement is and how they're going to find the wrinkles in, in which they can attack. That's, that's what I want to see. I agree with you. The result is going to be immaterial.
0: Well, that looks like it's going to be our only option as of yet to catch LAFC in their preseason. The rest of the preseason lineup looks like February 2nd versus Toronto down in Irvine. That is closed to the public. And then a couple of weeks later, the 15th and the 19th out in Indio for a unique collection of MLS squads that are going to be getting together to do a little mini tournament out there where we have games versus DC United at 4 PM on the 15th and then versus New York Red Bulls on the 19th. So a chance to go after the Capitals and the energy drinks, uh, in a little, a little Coachella tournament for LAFC, uh, Would be really cool if we got a chance to go out and see some of that. Cough, cough, LAFC, cough, cough. You know, a little Palm Springs away days, Coachella away days. Kind of sounds like fun, but as of right now, it looks like those will be behind closed doors and might not even be televised. So uh, it's going to be a fun tournament. It's a cool idea. I just wish we could participate a little more in that, especially with this eager desire to see what this new team looks like.
1: It's unfortunate, but I think that there is external things. Uh, You know, this this whole tournament... The inaugural Coachella Valley Invitational, it's getting actually put on by uh, the Galaxy and, you know, the other teams that are going to be there. Seattle Sounders are also going to be there. LA Galaxy 2, I guess there's a couple other reserve squads. But, um, you know, I think that it being in Coachella and them trying to find uh, a place for fans and tests and all sorts of other things that would make it that much harder to actually have this event go off without a hitch i think that the club is uh just looking to make it an easy opportunity to get minutes and matches in you know and it's not the first time that the club has had closed door matches to media and to fans uh so it kind of just follows in suit with previous seasons
2: yeah i think it's an interesting idea and if it gets some traction i think once we have non-covid pre-seasons it could be kind of fun you know other leagues have some some following for spring training or off-season training for the nfl i think this could be a kind of a cool thing i'm hoping that lafc puts their own event together and brings other teams over i think la or southern california and florida probably has the ability to host this especially during the winter months for some of the Eastern and Northern clubs to come down and do their preseason. So I'm looking forward to this kind of expanding. I'm, I am I like the idea and I want to steal what some of the other leagues are doing and have it LaFCified in the future.
1: One thing that I would like to see though, or, you know, I feel like we haven't really, since Penn we haven't had, uh, you know, the international friendlies and things like that. And, you know, you look at other MLS clubs that are Participating in preseason friendlies and sometimes, especially the ones that are closer to Mexico, they might get a couple of international friendlies with a club from the Liga MX. So I, I'm just I'm sure that at some point we're going to have that international friendly again. I don't know if it's necessarily going to be this season or midway through, but uh, I'm looking forward to actually having those international matches again.
0: There was some rumors around a huge South American club coming up this year for an off season friendly, but I think COVID kind of pulled the rug out from under us for that happening. That was the the smoke, at least, that was uh, being talked about uh, for a big club coming up, but probably get postponed a year. I think so much of that got put on hold because of the Omicron scare that's going around. After having just had it myself, please, please, please go get your third shot. My goodness, people, you do not want to have to go through this without, without that layer of protection, but I think for a lot of these clubs coming in from internationally, just Omicron threw a wrench in this whole thing. So hopefully by next year, we're finally on the other side of this and uh, we can return to having some international friendlies back at the bank. That would be exciting.
2: Yeah. And, and what I was going to mention earlier is with uh, John Thorrington continuing to have relationships abroad, I think that's how Pinheiro came. So, you know, we have now a Brazilian club, Palmeiras. What if they can come? You know, I'm sure all the Brazilian contingency here in L.A., other big South American clubs. What if, you know, Fenerbahce in the future from Turkey during their summer come to L.A.? So I'm looking forward to making part of the or continuing to have that conversation once COVID is more uh, of an endemic and they're comfortable coming to L.A. Who doesn't want to come to L.A.? and have a friendly at the bank
1: you guys are forgetting man what about Hanover coming over and doing a friendly yeah we've had
2: Dortmund what who else did we have um we had Vissel uh, uh, Kobe Vissel Kobe so uh, there, there's been we've, we've had our, our taste I'm looking forward to this being over and continuing to to have that kind of exposure internationally
0: see I'm really thinking that owner of the Rams wants to show off that beautiful SoFi stadium and, and he has a couple soccer clubs uh, that he owns as well, too. You know, Colorado Rapids being one. Uh, you may have heard of the other. The Arsenal. We could uh, that would be pretty cool if uh, Arsenal came over and uh, Colorado Galaxy, LAFC all got a chance to uh, play against Arsenal. Just just throwing that out there. For, uh, for all you Rams fans out there listening, uh, with, you know make it happen. It's a good idea. Team hit training camps for the first bit this week. We saw a little bit of footage coming out of uh, day one and two of training camp so far. Carlos has his beautiful locks back. That's always a good sign for LAFC. Whenever Carlos's hair is a little longer, he seems to always do better. So for you superstitious types, the beautiful curls of Juan Carlitos are back and in full effect. So whatever that means about his... Performance in these remaining six months of his contract yet to be seen. Seems like there were a lot of smiles on people's faces. A lot of guys having fun. I saw some trash talking about the team having fun online. Guys, come on. Everyone wants to work someplace that's fun. When these guys show up to work. We want them to be having a good time. That means the camaraderie is there. It doesn't mean that their effort or their dedication is any less. It just means that they're having fun while they play a game, which probably gets them in the right mindset to go out and play a game. So let's not, let's not jump on the team too much for having a positive work environment. But I'm liking a lot of the comments from the players coming off the pitch. Did you guys have any thoughts about any of the media around the first couple of days of training camp?
1: I had mentioned it earlier, but it's it's good to see the players that are returning from injury. You know, Opoku was definitely one of the ones that, um, you know, I was excited to see that he's back out and and getting fit and ready for the season up ahead. And seeing um, Ilya Sanchez in the uniform, you know, it's it's just it'll be good. These next couple of days, we're going to continue to get more and more footage. Franco Escobar was there and it's going to be it's going to be a great season.
0: I can I can feel it Yeah, all aboard the hype train of Club Quadwo. <laughs> I
2: like that. Uh, did you coin that or just someone else? That's good.
0: That, that was that was literally I just thought of that this instant genius for you.
2: That's awesome. Uh, I, going back to what you said, I, the, the positive vibes, the work environment, you know, it seems more jovial and I think it, it might be what, what the club needs. I think that there was four years of a rigid atmosphere, although it was successful for the first couple of years and then consistent in the last couple, I think a different voice for those that are carryovers, like I said, and then a different philosophy, a different point of view, but while, as long as business is taken care of, I, you know, I, I'm all for that. You should be able to have a good camaraderie and go into the trenches and feel good about who's next to you because you've had good times, but also worked hard in preparation for those matches.
0: Well, that about wraps it up for us today, folks. We'd like to thank you for listening to episode 107 of shoulder to shoulder podcast. As always, if you'd like to be a guest on the show, you can reach out to us at lafcs S2S on all your social media platforms, head over to www.lafcs2s.com. You can message us from any of those places. We would love to hear your opinion about what's going on with this team getting ready for season five. But once again, folks, thank you so much for listening. That'll do it for us today. We appreciate all you guys, and we'll catch you on the next one. Take us home, Sticks. Together, this our culture. Full the force of a supernova. Stay fly in that FC door, son. Hey, shopping down to Nikki's, Koreatown Litty. k pus so mommy about to drop her they won't need a fifth. They want me to stop, but I ain't. Come to my house, I'll defend that bank.